products and how you've got to feed that funnel. But look, what is brand? Because a lot of people think that it's a, it's a nice to have. And, you know, performance, as we said earlier, that, that's what you want, you know, short-term performance. Of course, you want some short-term performance, but you want brand performance as well. You want long-term performance. And I like to, to put it as, you know, brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And it is really, really important that as a, as a growing brand, as a startup moving to a scale up, that people are saying the right things about you and that they're interacting, even when you're not there to capture them. So I, I think... I'm Diana Florescu, and this is the Media Capital Show. In this episode, I sat down with Callum Taylor, head of ITV Adventures Ignite, ITV's startup incubator supporting young brands to start the journey into TV. We talked about the changes impacting the media industry and how digital startups can turn challenges into opportunities, why TV still matters and why founders should diversify their marketing mix and think about brand building, especially in times of economic downturn. Callum guided us through some fantastic graphics and insights, so I strongly encourage you to watch the video version of this episode available on our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. Hi, Callum. It's so great to have you on the show, and I'm glad to, that we have the chance to finally sit down and talk about ITV Adventures Ignite and your role with ITV. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, a few months ago, we, we sat down with Sheena to talk about ITV Adventures Invest, which I've just learned about the, about the branding name, which I always called ITV Adventures. And that's an interesting, probably, way to start a podcast as well about the difference between the two. But before we jump into ITV Ignite and, you know, how it differs from ITV Adventures Invest, I'm mm -hmm. curious to know how you started your journey in the media industry and also your journey with ITV. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and it doesn't matter what you link adventures to as, as long as people know about it, right? So that's, that's the main thing there. So I, I started in media, gosh, knocking on sort of 18 years ago now. At the time, it was solely what we call linear broadcast media. So video on demand and streaming and all the fun we can have with that now. It, it wasn't really a thing. It was all about linear broadcast. And I started at a place called GMTV, which was the breakfast day part of ITV. So without getting too, too geeky, ITV or Channel 3 was always lots of different licenses across the UK, and they all merged together in around 2004. A majority of them anyway, with the, the, the exclusion of GMTV and STV. So a lot of people at ITV that have been there a while and worked at Channel 3 a while would have come for one of these licenses. And that was where I started my career before sort of working through, experiencing different parts of television advertising, getting more exposed to creative sponsorships, you know, live ads. I remember when they came in and then we sort of got to the, the, the sort of juncture where you know, something new was coming down the track and, you know, startups and these emerging challenger brands were really becoming a thing and it, it really sort of sparked my attention. So that kind of led me into, into this arena and I spent the past four years working solely with startup and scale up businesses. So yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Interesting. Did you, when you joined ITV, did you know, did you join specifically for ITV Ignite or that role sort of evolved as the company also evolved? Because I think ITV... Adventures Invest has been around for a couple of years, but you told me earlier that ITV Ignite, in fact, was a former initiative, right? That yeah. led yeah. to the new fund. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So no, I, I sort of came across into what we call main ITV. So as, as I said, I was working on, on Channel 3 for, for many years before. 
I moved into main ITV to report into somebody called Ben Allen, who's the trading and commercial strategies director for ITV. And he's still my boss at the moment. So oversees everything that we're, that we're doing. And it was during that sort of year of transition there where we were integrating a breakfast business and, and sort of exploring direct response and various different elements of advertising across ITV and how we could improve them, that we started discussing the, the view of challenger brands and how actually ITV was in a position where as the biggest commercial broadcaster in the UK, brands got to a size where you would move to a media agency, you would you know benefit from their buying power, which was a term that we don't really hear luckily so much anymore, but certainly was a thing in the past and, and become one of you know their traded clients. So actually you'd become part of the deal, you'd air on ITV and you know it wasn't always the case that clients knew exactly what they were doing on ITV or how that was doing because they were very much being governed by traded deals. So there wasn't really a, a sort of view of this emerging market, but obviously, as we know, the startup scene in the UK, you know, is thriving, was thriving and ITV needed to look at a way of supporting those businesses. So I was made aware of an initiative that, that the company was thinking of at the time, which was all actually at the time about digitally native brands, because yeah. that was the direction that startups seemed to be going and you know, everything lived online. That's actually emerged now. We'll sort of get to that, that what we do now doesn't focus on digital native brands solely. They're still a massive part of what we do. But the reason for that is that obviously supermarkets and various different other players began to support in this arena as well. So suddenly you had, you know, Sainsbury's brands of the future and D2C brands are getting shelf space. So suddenly the market's changing and you have to move with it. So that's why we now, you know, cater for startups the way we, we do. And in essence, Ben, you know, who I, I mentioned earlier, asked me to sort of spearhead this new initiative, which is, which is now Ignite, and take it to market and, and sort of start, you know, connecting with founders, connecting with angel investors and understanding this community in a, in a way that ITV perhaps hadn't really, you know, sought to work in the, in the past. You basically created an entire new category, Callum, from what you're saying, and opening up this opportunity to startups and to even more non-traditional, sorry, traditional, so non-digital companies. It just attracts then the interest from other companies in the same sector, perhaps, to advertise on TV or at least to understand how that space works. I think it would be very interesting to start with maybe that differentiation between ITV Ignite and ITV Adventures. And I know you prepared some really amazing slides, which I've gone through before. And I, I recognize some of the points that we're, we're going to raise on today's topic in the report we released last year. So I'm yeah. going to put up the slides. And this is also something that we haven't done before. So when we run the shows, we tend to have a very just open conversation, which we're having now. But I think this is, I thought, since you've spent so many years in the industry and you work slightly different in, differently with startups than a usual media for equity fund would do, would be super helpful to walk some of the founders and people listening in on the, the aspects, I guess, that they should think of before they start their journey with, with TV. So I will basically give you the floor and we can start with how is ITV Ignite essentially different from ITV Adventures Invest? Absolutely. Yeah. No, great. Okay. I'll have to start sort of take, taking us through. So yeah, you know, do do sort of interrupt as, as, as we go and ask questions. It'd be great to make this more, more discursive. So we spoke a little bit there about Adventures Ignite and Adventures Invest. So I'm not going to speak about Adventures Invest much because Sheena Amin, who, who runs Invest, has, has already done one of these sessions and, and today's really focusing on on Ignite, but actually 
my role does work across the two. So whilst I head up Adventures Ignite, I'm also responsible for the media pricing of the, the media side of Adventures Invest. And also, you know, if partners are working directly with us, my team will look after them as, as, as well. But look, the, the, the key difference here. So Ignite, I, I suppose, skipping to the bottom here and working our way up, think of Ignite as, you know, your, your entry point into TV. ITV do not take an equity stake in the business. So that's the key differentiator there. With Adventures Invest, we know that it's media for equity and it's a minority stake in the business in exchange for that premium in inventory on ITV. The partnership sizes are obviously you know, very different as well. So media for equity, we start at one million pound net investment value. With Ignite, there is no minimum, but actually it's all about what is effective. So, you know, is it taking whatever money a founder's got and, you know, throwing it up on TV? A absolutely not. It's about working something that is effective to prove TV, because actually the sort of research that was done when we launched Ignite back in 2019, and at the time it was, it was taking the market as, as the adventures brand. And actually we've grown now and, you know, hearing people say adventures, whether it's Ignite or Invest is just absolutely amazing to, to hear how the brand has grown and, and, you know, gained its own, own awareness. But there were sort of things that came out, barriers that came out that Ignite is existing to tackle. And that was when we researched with Founders Intelligence at the time, things that were coming out, you know, reasons why these new brands were not thinking of TV straight away was, well, because it's going to cost me a million pounds and you have to advertise nationally, which, you know, you don't. I don't know where to start with it. So therefore, I don't, I don't want to go near it. I don't know how to plan it. Well, that's sort of why my role exists and, and my, my, my team exists. Yeah. Also measurement. You know, you can't measure TV, can you? It's not tangible. So that just scares me. I don't want to get involved with it. So they were the barriers that, that we sort of set to, to overcome. And at the end, I'll just talk through Ignite and exactly how we break them down. But you see there that one of the key things is that to, to start you off, partners can receive matched funding. So we'll, you know, what we call shared risk, right? You know, a lot of people think that shared risk is, is paying us on sales. Actually, true shared risk is going halves, right? So that, that's what we do yeah. with partners to help. But it's the support element that, that, that's the bit that we really can't get across from the off. But again, I've got some quotes later on to show that that support at every single step of the journey and making things as easy as possible is why partners are sticking with us now. We're really starting to see some startups become scale-ups. So essentially ITV Ignite would be kind of the first or the go-to platform for a company that is a bit earlier stage. Perhaps they're just getting started with TV. They want to test how it works, perhaps at a slightly smaller scale, and then potentially could also involve, evolve into ITV Adventures Invest. Yeah. Have you seen, have you, have you had any such examples of companies that have gone through Ignite and then went through, through the investment, through the IC of ITV Adventures, or do they yeah. tend to be separate companies altogether? At, at the moment, the portfolios are you know, largely separate, although there are some interesting conversations going on with Ignite brands that are at that point of looking to scale. And as Sheena would have spoken about, you know, media for equity is a really, really wise thing to look at when you're at that, that point of doing, you know, perhaps a funding round at that time. So we are definitely seeing that happen a bit more. We've only been around for four years. So, you know, to get brands to that point, you know, we're, we're kind of getting there now. So I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more Ignite brands moving across to invest. But, you know, at the same time, invest isn't for everyone. It's a fantastic opportunity and we're really, really seeing an appetite for that. Yeah. But a lot of brands that, you know, would rather carry on working in the Ignite incubator, you know, as you said, it is our, our commercial incubator. 
And, you know, we have brands that started off with a regional test on ITV matched funded by Ignite. And they're now seven figure national advertisers still working in the Ignite incubator. So whilst yeah. it offers an entry point, you don't have to sort of graduate to one or the other. We just want you to stay with us really. That's the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, you alluded to another preconception, and I think we'll discuss that in the next few slides about pricing and the fact that TV is expensive. And I appreciate, of course, the in, different inventories is, of course, carries some premium content. If we talk about Super Bowl, obviously, that's highly premium. But the fact that you're offering that match possibility, the match funding, which, you know, allows a startup to go a lot further. Is there some general like minimum threshold that a startup perhaps should think of when starting with tv like how much for example could 50k would could give you in in a first campaign because there was a recent study i believe done by thinkbox if i'm not mistaken it's a couple of years old so perhaps the i'm sure the pricing has changed slightly but i was very surprised to see that a lot of brands i think 35 if not 40 percent of advertisers in that given year actually spent on average about 50k on a mm -hmm. tv campaign so is there basically what would be where could be a, a place to start price wise if you are doing tv for for the first time yeah no fair fair question i, th I think i know the study i think it might have been the tv playbook for online brands i think that might have been talking yes. about the entry point there from a couple of years ago so yeah, look, there's there's no one size fits all. You know, it's always a wishy washy answer, but I'm glad that you put a number on it because I can I can work yeah. with that. You know, different brands have you know different goals, different KPIs. We'll talk about those in in in, in a minute. The way that TV is priced, whilst we don't go into too much detail today, it's all supply and demand. So it's actually very very transparent. It's all about the eyeballs that we have to offer, so the supply and the advertising revenue that we have, which is of course the the demand. So. ITV is split into over 20 different transmission regions in the UK. So our little bragging right there is that we have more pieces to our puzzle than any other broadcaster. And of course, that's really, really important for startups when you're testing on TV, because you yeah. can get that benefit of mass simultaneous reach by going out and broadcast, but actually, you know, working with a universe that, you know, goes up to sort of 5,800, 6 million, something, something like that, sorry, 5.8 million, 6 million. So you can take a smaller bite of the pie and different regions, of course, with that pricing cocktail I mentioned, they have different prices. So for example, 50 grand going out in the North of England, this is on broadcast television, you know, that that's going to probably get you a really nicely weighted eight to 10 week campaign running consistently, you know, naturally across the day in the South, you could also achieve that excluding London. I think for, for London, it's the most expensive linear region. Yeah. You'd probably be looking at, at another route there. Perhaps you'd be looking at video on demand, where it's it's not supply and demand based, but actually a sort of flat cost cost per thousand by, by audience. So, you know, there, there's different routes for different brands, but 50,000 pounds would be a really, really good starting point. And actually I would say it's probably a, quite a, a common figure for us to start off with for, for a regional test. Although we can work for less in many cases, you know, if it is one of the more cost efficient regions, you know, something like Granada, which is the Northwest of, of, of the country, we've executed fantastic campaigns for you know, less than that. What, what I always like to say is, let us be honest with you. If you've got a figure in mind, rather than rule it out, let, let's have a chat and we can see if something's possible. If it isn't, we'll obviously be honest because the worst worst thing we could do is push somebody onto television when it's not right. It doesn't cut through, it doesn't move the dial and they don't come back. So we try to avoid that. 
Great. And I, th- I think we will probably talk about the different level of support that you give to companies because what you just explained right now, that media planning and, and the whole approach, I think it's quite, for a lot of companies that are doing it, doing TV for the first time, they're yeah. probably quite new to that. So yeah, we can cover that in the upcoming slides. So I will let you go through the next next few slides. Great. Okay. So you know, just, just, I think as the sort of post that you put on LinkedIn said, you know, we're going to talk about a few areas of yeah. getting onto TV. It, it's not going to be a concise, you know, step-by-step planning process, but just I've picked out some headlines that really stand out to me as things that you should be considering when you are looking to go on TV. And as I've started here, you know, as seen on TV, I mean, straight away, that is, you know, a slogan that we've seen so often in, in the past, and it still sort of carries that real sort of badge of honor thing about it, you know, so just a few things to, to be thinking about. So, you know, when, when we're starting out on, on TV, that one of the first things that we want to know from a partner is, is what does success actually look like to you? And that might sound really daft, you know, I want to sell products. You know, of course, I want my business to grow. But actually, they're very, very different approaches if we're going for sort of overall sales, if we're looking at pure cost per acquisition, which could be quite common in the startup community, and I completely understand why. Are we looking at brand fame? Are we looking three years down the line? And this sort of tree picture here, this is how I interpret this. This is some, someone used this as an example a few years ago, and I've sort of pinched it as my own because I really like it. Cost per acquisition is the fruit. So if you spend your whole time picking the fruit and enjoying the fruit and never bothering to nurture the tree, the tree is obviously your brand, eventually your tree is going to look like the one on the right there. So it's really, really important that whilst we always want to be getting customers through the door, we want to be getting them at the best cost per acquisition that we can we want to balance that brand building as well, because I'm going to talk about brand a little bit later because I'm really passionate about it. And it is something that startups need to be considering. Even if it's not right now, we need to start laying those foundations because it will mean you get more fruit in, in the long run. So what does success look like? That, that's the first point I want to, to put forward there. What do you want viewers to do? So again, really, really basic stuff, but you'd be amazed how many adverts get made and, and obviously we make adverts with our partners we can we can help them with that but many partners go to external agencies which is absolutely fine but of course creative agencies work to different kpis to to us so what you know what, what do we want people to do because sometimes you get a lovely film a lovely you know something that you might see it can for example but then when we're looking at the metrics people haven't really reacted the way that we want them to so be really really clear about what you want people to do. It doesn't have to be a call to action of, you know, pick up the phone now, go online now, but it could be something like making sure that your brand is present all the way through and actually that your website is present all the way through. Just, you know, especially as a new to TV brand, people know who you are and they know what to do. And another side of this is something we've experienced a few times. When you are on TV, you will raise category awareness as well. So actually as daft as this sounds, when you're on TV, you want to capture everything that you're driving. What you don't want is your competitors benefiting from yeah. your television. So you're driving the category awareness, they're upping their bids on, on search, and suddenly they're channeling a lot of your traffic because the person can't remember your brand name, but they know that it was something in this category. So they'll go, thank you, I'll have that. Yeah. You know, let's get direct brand traffic. So be really clear about what we want people to do. And I think that, sorry to interrupt, Callum, but that category mm-hmm. awareness, if I'm not mistaken, I guess it's also sometimes regarded as that unprompted brand awareness, right? So when you go to someone and you ask them to think of a brand within the soap 
category and then maybe dove comes to mind straight immediately basically that's that category awareness right like you, you don't have to you know it's just immediately seamlessly embedded in people's minds absolutely yeah absolutely you want to be you know raising category awareness is great but you want to be the brand that they that they think yeah. of as well you want to get that direct brand traffic because Later on, we'll talk about return on investment and we'll see how that can really benefit brands as well by getting that right. Mm -hmm. Having a clear message, but also a really consistent message. So I must credit the business of creativity for letting me pinch these slides. So Sir John Hegarty showed me these slides in a, in a talk a couple of weeks ago, and I thought they illustrated what you know I wanted to say very, very well. So whilst these are big brands, it just goes to show that actually anyone can get it wrong. So let's make sure that we have a consistent message and that people can recognize what, what we're trying to say. So this talks about Nike versus Reebok. So we can see here what happens, you know, when Just Do It was brought in as a slogan, and we can see how they quickly took market share by being consistent. And obviously, you know, things like Air Jordan came in and things like that, but they always had Just Do It on there. Uh, and Reebok suddenly starts to, to plummet. And you can see here that towards the end of the graph there, Adidas actually acquired Reebok in 2005. That's when it that's when it stopped. Now, why did that happen? Well, Nike has a great product, of course. That's that's one major point there. But but you know, Reebok, you know, 14 end lives in 20 years, they really couldn't make up their mind on what their brand was about. And you know, Nike stayed consistent. People recognised it, and it was nice and easy to stick with the brand. So I think that's a really really good example uh, yeah. of brand consistency. There's one other brand, since we're talking about brands, that I think is always regarded as probably one of the best just advertising campaigns in history. And I, I mentioned Dove as the soap company in my earlier example, but I think their real beauty campaign is probably one of the most long lasting. I don't know, it's been going on for like probably 25, 30 years. And it's that brand ideal, I think, as Ogilvy calls it, which is all about the ethos of the brand. I think they do it brilliantly as well. And it's, it is basically exactly like you explained. It's that consistency that, that they manage to keep over time. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, there's lots of it around. We've had the coronation recently and, you know, a great yeah. one was the, you know, Guinness. Good things come to those who wait. And a Guinness glass with a sort of crown on the, on the foam on the top there, you know, really, really clever way of yeah. bringing your brand consistency forward. So, yeah, there's lots of it out there, but it's really important that we, we try to do that from, from the off. We know who we are. We know our brand identity. Have a plan for measuring success. So, you know, we what does success look like? Let's identify that first. Let's think about the creative and how we'll get there. And, you know, the media planning side, I don't really go into in this selection of slides, but obviously that's incredibly important as, as well. But how are we going to measure success? So this is my plug for these GOX tool. So something that my colleagues in data and innovation actually launched this week. So what this is looking at is a partner's website traffic. So this is just a basic example of how we can plug in to Google Analytics or we can you know, give the coding to the partner so that their analysts can, can do it if they want. And what we can do is actually bring, you know, the regional test I spoke about earlier, we can create a control and exposed. Our guys can bring the, the lines together at the beginning there so that we're sort of starting in the same place. And we can see there what happens when you bring out uh, television. Now, actually, some campaigns separate far more than this one even has. But you can see there clearly what's happened with the television that's running and the website traffic. And, and also we can look at sales and things like that. We can plug into everything on Google Analytics there. So we have lots of different methods of measuring. We have a team that is completely dedicated to it. 
so that's a key key pillar in in adventures ignite and invest it's something that we take across the whole portfolio so now debunking a few myths right so i think everyone has a view on television and what they think of it whether it's a you know, effective medium or, or or not hopefully this sort of quick tour might might help to change people's minds so look tv is dead you know that's what that's what people like to say i don't really hear it so much anymore but i think that's maybe because people who know me probably get a bit scared to say that in front of me because i might i might go off on one but um, <laughs> you know tv reaches nearly everyone every week so very much not dead and you can see here using barb data from 2022 so this is a reach of three minutes or more across television but you know we're still reaching nearly 95 percent of all individuals in the uk you know various audiences there can still be reached with television now it's worth me pointing out that you can see there at the bottom in the source it combines linear and vod video on demand viewing so whilst video on demand the way we watch tv is, is changing it absolutely is and obviously ITVX has come in now as the biggest broadcaster video on demand platform in the UK, both for content and for reach, you know, we're up to 37 and a half million registered users now. So, you know, we, we have that outlet as well, but actually, you know, that's nibbling away every year, but the lion's share of viewing in the UK is still broadcast linear. So it's just worth remembering that, that you don't often hear that, but for brands that are looking to cast that net wide, maybe a startup has reached that point of diminishing returns on digital, you know, broadcast will get you out there better than anyone can. And it's, it's very much alive. Yeah. Now I think this is the, the, the one that you alluded to Diana at that, at the beginning Yeah. About, about wastage. So, you know, another one we get, oh, you get loads of wastage on TV. Why would you bother? No. And I always say, look, even if I didn't work in television, I would always have this point of view that I'm about to share with you. So. You only pay for the audience that you buy. So this example here uses something that we covered last year, which was you know, a fairly big event, the World Cup quarterfinal in 2022. So this was a men's razor brand, this example. I would normally buy men who are buying razors regularly. So perhaps they're, they're in market, they use MasterCard data or whatever other third-party source to track people who are frequently purchasing. Now with Barb data, and this is obviously a broadcast slide, this one. So everything else I talk about can be applied to video on demand or broadcast. This is obviously talking about, about broadcast mm -hmm. primarily. So to go out in this game, obviously this was a, you know, a live event. This, everyone was tuning in to, to see this. The Barb audience, and I can talk about Barb if anyone's got any questions or, you know, another day or, or afterwards if there's time. You, you, you can't buy that audience. You have to buy a broader audience. So the one that we could look at is men. So you can look at all men. So the ad went, went out, you obviously captured 8.7 million who are your core audience. They're people who buy raises regularly, but then you've got an additional sort of 3 million there that are men that don't buy them that often. So maybe people like me, I usually have a, a, a little beard, but you know, I do purchase them occasionally. So you've, you've paid for me. I'm worth having, I think, because you know, I'll know your brand, yeah. but the point of this is the additional. So everyone else watching the football there, you can see the additional gray circle there you know sort of 10 million additional people watching it all, all the females in this in this instance so they have not been included in the calculations so it's not wastage because you are not paying for it it's only wastage if you're paying for something right if not it's bonus it's bonus viewing and actually in this case it's incredibly powerful because you know there are people the females of this equation that that, that are going to be making these decisions but actually not just about razors but Females in general, there's research to suggest that across a wide range of categories, 
you know, females are key decision makers in households, be it finance, you know, holiday, cars, you know, a really, really core cool audience. And we actually saw in 2018, Jaguar Land Rover changed their buying audience, I remember, to be ABC One Women, that, that barb audience, you know, recognizing that they're, they're the valuable eyeballs there. They're, they're, they're the people I need to be speaking to if I want to convert. So in this case, they're all completely free. So it's a, a great example of the secondary benefits of, of broadcast television. Yeah, this is a great example. We, we hear that a lot. And I think this is also partially because of the previous myth around lack of measurements, essentially, and the fact that you can't be very specific. But I think with latest technologies, and I'm sure you, you already start explaining that as well, I think you can probably even be as specific as targeting the first like two letters of the postcode. I suppose, if you want to. You can, you can. I mean, you know, we always have that. And look, many conversations are opened by people seeing ITBX and say, wow, that looks amazing. I, I want to be part of that. You know, Planet V, which is our, our programmatic video platform, which is self-serve and can, you know, agencies and clients can, can use it to build campaigns on ITVX. And, and in the future, that will buy into linear television as well. So it's really good for driving conversation, but actually when you, when you drill into what we're trying to achieve, you realize that doing hyper-targeting, and I always say, you know, you can advertise to your neighbors if you want, we can go that granular, but what are we actually trying to achieve here? Yeah. We're trying to cross the net wide. And very often, if we use that sort of pricing calculation, I said, said earlier, it's more cost-effective to be using a slightly lower cost per thousand views and getting your core audience and getting a lot of bonus audience than it is to keep layering on targeting until yeah. you pay 45, 50 pounds cost per thousand. So there's, there's lots of different ways of, of, of looking at it. Yeah. So this is just an example. So I, I have white labeled this for the, for the purpose of, of this, but I've got some quotes coming up about your brand. So this is a quick case study of a launch campaign that we did for a pet food brand. Now this pet food brand launched with us regionally. So we can see here, it was Meridian, which is the band of counties in the Southeast around, around London. And we achieved a 40% coverage, a unique reach within that region across eight weeks and a frequency of seven for the audience. So it was a really nicely weighted campaign. It worked to about 50,000 pounds. So the figure you gave earlier, a really nice example. And we saw there, you know, really good uplift in brand awareness. We saw category awareness, you know, raise as well. And, and they managed to capture it, you know, brand search during on-air weeks, the averages were up there. We had website traffic, you know, really big metrics across just eight, eight weeks there. So brand intent was up. We used YouGov in association with the partner to, to track this. So results all the way down the funnel. So what I said earlier about the tree and the fruit, you know, we all want conversion. Of course we do. But if we don't feed the funnel at the top, you know, obviously nothing's going to come out the bottom. So it's just always yeah. worse, worth us, you know, examining things properly and setting, setting you up for success. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, you know, we, we will never make the case of giving up digital channels to use TV. I think it's all about, and I think you have an amazing slide, which I don't want to spoil, yeah. but um, TV has still one of probably the greatest multiplier effect. And what is happening, although I think a lot of startups, digital native companies would expect to use TV as a direct response campaign. I think you can do that. But yeah. if that's the immediate goal, I think, and I've seen it, and a lot of companies probably are disappointed. But if you try to use it as a mix of both direct response and brand building, I suppose that's, that's really where it works best. But what's interesting 
I think when we look into what's happening into the digital channels these days, the direct response, I think is not what the performance is not what, what used to be, you know, we, we can talk about this at length, obviously, but yeah. AI changes everything. I haven't had a chance to test the new search lab from Google, but uh, because I think it's only available in the States, but that changes completely. I think how we think about search and the iOS changes and cookie deprecation, etc. So I think even with digital channels, if you just rely on digital channels, I think at one point in, you mentioned Callum, you, you reach those diminishing returns yeah. and it could be quite late. And we've seen that unfortunately with, you know, just recently was BuzzFeed news and a few others that folded. And in my opinion, I think it has to do with a lot that they focused on Facebook in the early days. Yeah. Um, but these platforms change and are changing constantly. So it's all about just being, just staying on top of, of the trends, isn't it? It is. It's about, and, and we've got, as you said, we'll, we'll move on to talk about this, but it's about knowing what channel does what and, and what, what you want it to, to do. You know, I just wanted to pick up sort of tongue in cheek, but the, the word you use there is very commonly used around the industry and that is performance. You know, people call direct response, you know, bottom of funnel stuff, you know, that's my performance stuff. You know, I really would like to know who created that that expression because they're a genius because ultimately you know it's become the the in thing that you think of your short-term metrics as your performance channels and branding is maybe more of a nice to have but you know of course branding is is performance as, as well so i think it's a really really clever way of putting it but just on the topic of direct response of course whilst we talk a lot about brand here today we can execute really effective direct response campaigns. They're just geared up in a different way. And in fact, we've, we've launched some fantastic ones in the past weeks. So, you know, if anyone's listening and that's, you know, more what you're after right now, it's always worth a conversation because there's just different avenues we have to go down, but, but we'd yeah. always love to go down. Yep. So this is just a little quote. I'm not going to go through it all, but, but basically you can see here that Ross Boyd, who's the founder of Dashley, who are a partner that we launched on television now about 18 months ago you know, saw some really, really good, good results. So this is quite interesting because actually the main aim for Dashly was B2B. They wanted more brokers on the platform, but obviously more consumers as well would be a secondary benefit. So they saw over 80 new brokers join, join the platform, which is fantastic. They're a mortgage comparison site, or actually they're not a comparison. Ross would kill me for saying that. They're an always on monitoring site who can help you switch if they find a better deal. They've got the secondary benefits there. Talks really nicely about the Ignite team, which is lovely to hear that they felt supported throughout. But actually, the last line is the bit that really leads us in nicely. So actually noticed an uplift in digital marketing performance whilst we were on air, which was a real bonus. So exactly as you said there, Diana, you know, Ross saw that with yeah. the campaign that his team ran with us. And just before we go into the next section, the example you gave is also perfect because we just discussed about preconceptions or what we think it works, it doesn't with TV. I think a lot of companies that are, that example you gave is more of a B2B2C company or a platform essentially, right? Because they have both clients, businesses, but also the, the end users. And yeah. it's very often believed that TV would only work for direct-to-consumer companies or just naturally companies that can reach mass audience. And it's not necessarily the case. Like you gave the example, and I think we also analyzed uh, during our last report, I think we've gone through roughly 400 such deals. There were media for equity yeah. deals, but companies that use TV yeah. and close to 30% of them are in fact SaaS businesses or they operate on a B2B model. And I think that's interesting to highlight as well, because you can do so much more now with TV. It's really about probably how you plan your campaign and what assets and inventory you have available. It is. 
It is. I mean, I will sort of be honest and caveat that that whilst we can execute exactly like that, you know, some B two B challenges are are a nightmare. So you know, it's not always possible. But as long as we are honest with partners and we can, yeah. you know, say whether something's likely to work, we we can avoid any sort of disappointment there. But it, it is possible to execute good B two B campaigns. But as you said, B two C will always be, you know, the, the real yeah. that TV plays in there. Yeah. So the changing, sorry, go on, Diane. No, 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 no. I was just about to say that you also have a wonderful example in, but it's in, obviously it's in the ITV Adventures portfolio companies, which is what three words. And that's also yeah. not a typical company that um, you could immediately think of to use TV because they have a very interesting model. And for them, TV worked really well in order to get the consumer side of the business on board. It did. It did indeed. So they got the, you know, the consumers to download the app. And then, of course, they worked really, really hard in the background to, Get the B2B with the, you know, the, the sort of Lotus deals, Lamborghini deals and getting it into all the cars and delivery services and, and actually monetizing it. So, yeah, ex- exactly. TV worked well, very well for them. So just touching on the sort of the, the changing face of advertising. So I know we were looking at sort of knowing which channels to concentrate on, but actually I've, I've kind of reworded it because I think it, it's about knowing the role each channel plays. You know, every channel will play a role, as, as we said, and it's about knowing what role that is and, and how they're going to tie together. So first of all, you know, TV, it, it delivers over the short and long term. So that's the first thing I wanted to sort of put forward here. So this is a, a Thinkbox study from a few years ago that looked at a collection of brands across different categories, as you can see, the FMCG, finance, services, retail, and up to two to three months of well-planned TV, which is, of course, all we do at ITV Adventures. Every pound that was invested, in a nutshell, there was a £1.7 cost benefit to to that now when i say cost benefit i'm of course talking about money in the till being apologies if that chat window is is, is um, oh, we, we can't see it this is probably just for you it's the, the noise of it. apologies if it, if it is so you know cost benefit is is the money in the till but it's also the impact it's had on perhaps the aforementioned brand search so are we getting more brand traffic so we're not having to bid as much and there's a little quote coming up which will talk more about that so Immediately, yeah. there's, a, there's a cost benefit there. But actually, the longer term, you can see here up to three years on television, we know that TV does its best work over time. And the return on investment there is every pound in, £6.30 uh, back. So you can see there that things get better and better as awareness grows and yeah. TV drives a bigger return over, over the longer term. So that's just a, a bit to kick us off there. Yeah, and I've seen the same kind of trend, but also... a basically impacting your cost per acquisition on digital. A, a lot of companies that were using TV have seen that impact on, on, on the cost that they paid on a digital campaign, which basically decreased as a result of that. Absolutely. So TV will be that multiplier. It's going to make those other channels work harder. This is what I mean about knowing what, what will do what. So actually TV is, is good to underpin plans. We, we don't really advise that you run TV on its own nowadays. As you said, it is a multiplier. So this yeah. study, again, another one pinched from, from Thinkbox, demand generation from 2019, this one. But, you know, as you saw in the quote earlier, you know, people, people see this every time they, they work with us. So this is actually a traffic light system, but our graphics team won't let me keep the traffic lights. So we have to have it in these, these colors. But the turquoise is, of course, the green. That's the impact that we want to talk about. Yeah. And this is what's happening when TV is overlaid with all of these other channels. This is how much harder they work. So they're, they're staying stable in the mix. TV is overlaid. Social media, for example, 31%, you know, uplift radio, 31%, print 31%. People see results, you know, things work harder, 
Facebook and you know Insta and you know they become more acquisition channels. They they work a little bit harder. So TV drives that looks forward. And it's a signal of success as well. So we started off by saying about as seen on TV, which you know just just says a lot as it as as, as it stands on its own. You know, I always say to partners that I get excited seeing one of our partners, be it you know Ignite or Invest, go on screen. If I walk past my TV and I, that's one of ours, that you know I still get really excited. And across my career, I, I didn't stop for every Unilever ad that I saw to go. Oh, that's what you know. It, it it really says something about you. And I always say to partners, I, I bet you'll tell your family that you're going on TV. And I doubt you did when you were going on to social. You know, that, and, that's true. That's true, actually. And, it feels and, yeah. And the people watching it, and I think it's something that a lot of a lot of founders have have shared that actually impression in the past with me that even your investors are watching you on TV or potentially could be of future investors or future clients that you you get to work with and that you know it just establishes or signals the success as as you said. I know we don't have the time to talk about creatives in in on this episode. I would love to maybe do a separate one on what really makes a good creative because I think yeah. it's such an important fundamental aspect of the whole campaign. But just have a quick question for especially for startups listening in that haven't done a TV campaign before. Do you work with startups? Do you provide that kind of creative support through ITV? Is that something that you provide or they have to have a separate agency to work with or have creative support outside of, of your partnership, essentially? No, so we, we can offer creative support to help people get onto TV. And, you know, we even have invest partners that require help with clearcasting because obviously every ad that goes on TV has to be clearcast approved. So what we ask for Ignite partners is that to work with an in-house they have existing assets that we can use. And when I say, you know, good existing assets, they don't have to be that, that we like the look of them. They have to be good resolution that we can actually work with. And there's a, a, a guy called Alan Hall, who I'll give a shout out to. He works in our Belfast creative team and he's an absolute superstar. I'm always amazed at the quality of advert that he can come up with and how quickly he can work. So we've put some really nice sort of in-house ads onto, onto television, but also help with the clear casting of people who you know want to use an external agency as well but you know the idea is that we're offering support at every 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 step right. so just, just to touch on this one so tv is a signal of success and this study is from 2020 now we, we spoke there about you know what it says to investors and and something that you know is an immediate benefit for our partners is actually it, it really helps to get that retail space you know if there's, if there's that retailer that you just can't get over the line well saying that you're going to be on tv in that region tends to help swing that so that's just another sideline benefit there but this was actually a panel of over three and a half thousand adults and what thinkbox did is they put the uh, selection of different brands onto different media channels um, and they gauged how they were perceived to perform in these categories so quality confidence success etc they could see that tv came out on top there which is absolutely fantastic that it was perceived to be the strongest and really bring that brand to life but actually the brand that was on tv was fake they put a fake brand in the mix and despite that it's still you know shone above the others so it just goes to show there how you are perceived interesting so and i think one. there's a few a few research studies if i'm not mistaken there's one from tv scientific as well which is not just about i mean obviously it's about signaling success and the idea of an established brand but TV ads also tend to be more memorable yes. compared to a social media ad. And I think, well, if we are probably think as a channel, you have both the audio and the visual aid as well, which makes a huge difference. But I think combined both the success and signaling that 
established brand look and feel and the memorable uh, fact that it's memorable i think that's quite quite powerful definitely definitely uh, it's one of my kind of things i like to do and i always have done to be honest but since working in tv is is in a conversation just just sort of stop put people on the spot and say you know what, what's your favorite ad i never say tv ad yeah but they always always come up with a tv ad so they, they are the ones exactly that, that stick in your mind so look, I just want to finish by talking a little bit about brand. We've sort of spoken about the longer term effects and how you've got to feed that funnel. But look, what is brand? Because a lot of people think that it's a, it's a nice to have. And, that, you know, performance, as we said earlier, that, that's what you want, you know, short-term performance. Of course, you want some short-term performance, but you want brand performance as well. You want long-term performance. And I like to, to put it as, you know, brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And it is really, really important that as a, as a growing brand, as a startup, moving to a scale up, that people are saying the right things about you and that they're interacting even when you're not there to capture them yeah. so i think a great way to kick us off here now th this was something anecdotal that my colleague rebecca hanley told me so she was working on audi at a media agency a few years ago i think it's a great example of that that halo effect and why we need to get that halo effect that, that the brand gives so when working on audi they found that you know when they were advertising the r8 supercar really aspirational and really you know, premium brand image that they sold not just R8s, but they sold A1s as well because people were coming to the brand and they were engaging with the brand. But Halo is a one-way, it's a one-way street. You know, you, you can't just concentrate on the bottom of the funnel and be trying to get people to buy A1s and expect to sell R8s as well. So I just really, really like that example that, that Rebecca gave. So I've put that in yeah. there to kick us off there. And also just, a, just a, a, a couple of quotes as well. So I think this is, so I forget who this was, I think it might be Warren Buffett that, that said this one, but this, you know, very good for, for businesses, especially in the current economic climate as well. So, you know, single most important decision is, is pricing power. So if you can raise your prices without losing business, you've got a very good business. And obviously if you have to really think about it and, and just hide under the bed, when you raise that price, then you've not got a very good business. And I think in the current economic climate where, you know, brands are capitalizing on, you know, economic uncertainty, maybe a, a deflationary market in, in TV, gaining that share of voice, building that brand and prices for food, et cetera, are, you know, going up. It's very unlikely that they will come back down. So if you can build a brand that people are willing to pay for, your profit margin will, you know, remain when this economic uncertainty goes. So I think that's a really, really nice quote. But this is one of my absolute favorites. So it, it sort of brings together everything that we've spoken about. So Peter Field, well-known marketer and planner in the, in the industry. And he just talks about reaching broadly. So if you are an online business, and really, I think if you are a startup, you've, you've got to be speaking to everybody in the category. You've got to reach them early and you've got to prime them because otherwise it is just that bidding war that we spoke about earlier. It's going to get pretty expensive if people aren't coming directly to you. So the online world really is no place for weak brands. I think that's a fantastic quote yeah so just to sort of finish us off so i spoke a little bit earlier about our ignite program our ignite incubator if you like and 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 how it, how it works so it's designed to offer support at every stage so we spoke about the media value for your first campaign we will pick up actually slightly more than than half and you know i'd love to explain that to to people if anyone's interested so we try to break down that barrier there to help you test tv in the most cost-effective way Creative production we spoke about there and how we can work with that. And it's typically between one and five thousand pounds per execution, usually nearer one, unless you're getting a really expensive voiceover. 
strategic planning. So we absolutely love that. So my team does a lot of planning there. We also call in our experts, be it creative strategy or, you know, common strategy or data and innovation. We have got so many skill sets that we can call on. I spoke about Rebecca earlier. She's, you know, fantastic strategist who we can, we can call on as an example and measurement as well. So we, we looked at a quick clip of a slide there, but there's way more that we're doing in that space. So these are the pillars that we work to for Ignite Partners. And even though the matched funding can't be for every campaign, everything else is, you know, that's the only thing that changes and we don't jack the price up, you know, so to speak, we want you to stay with us, but obviously I'm sure everyone understands that we, we can't sort of go halves on every single campaign, but yeah. you know, this is why partners have stuck with us and we've now got an incubator that's got some really nice growing brands in there alongside our portfolio partners. Are there any specific sectors or is there like an ideal avatar of a company of a startup that would qualify for ITV Ignite? Yeah. So, I mean, for the matched funding, you have to be new to TV working with us directly. So every Ignite partner works with us directly. We don't work with media agencies. Obviously we've got many colleagues that, you know, support and work with, with media agencies. So, so working directly, being new to TV, also working exclusively with us. So for that campaign, and there's a, a short period afterwards that we would ask to remain exclusive as well. You don't have to advertise in that period, but if you did on TV, it would, it would be with ITV. So there are a few criteria, but we've deliberately made it quite relaxed so that yeah. we're just making it more of an opportunity rather than, you know, something people have to jump through hoops for. So I think that's really helped to you know, see it, see it grow over the past four years. Yeah. And just to finish off really, you know, I can say everything I like about, you know, the, the passion we have for what we do, but actually when we get messages like this from partners now, now look, these are taken from across Ignite and Invest, because as I said, my team works on, on all of it. But you can see there the sort of trends coming through about the, the support and, and what we could do to really make things a success for brands as well. So just wanted to leave that on screen for a few seconds, just to, yeah. uh, we do have that relationship with our partners. Yeah. And I, I think we, uh, with, uh, which, you know, we talked about, this is interesting when we had the show, it, was, it just came off the, the announcement that the investment in Resi and three words, we just touched on that. And actually one interesting point that Greg, who you have here on the quote, mentioned during a panel discussion we had earlier this year, which goes back to the creative support you mentioned Callum earlier. He said one of the things that they are, they're doing at What Three Words to, to kind of get a sense whether a, a creative works or performs well is that actually they test it in a digital channel. I don't know if you recommend that or if there are any other ways to test the creative if you are yeah. new to so what we do, actually something I should have put in there, is that we have a partnership with someone called System One, who are all about ad effectiveness, and they can screen, I think they've got about 90 to 95% of all television ads on their, on their channel that they can screen and give a, a rating to. So they have a, a vast panel that they can screen the ads to, they can see at every point of the ad how people are reacting in sort of different emotional categories, and then it all comes together to have what we call a, a star rating. So out of five, and obviously we want to be edging towards five and also a spike rating. So a spike rating is, is that spike, is it going to cut through? Are people likely to immediately interact with this advert? So we work with system one very, very frequently, you know, we have done for Resi and, and various other partners. And that's something that for new Ignite brands, we run a pretest as, as part of it so that we can actually see how the creative is likely to sync. Yeah. And then we can take take action off the back of it to make sure it's as good as it can be. Yeah. And you also have, you have Phil as a last example there as well. And 
earlier yeah. on, on on the show we talked about you know who who can actually see your ad on tv and could be your future investor or future client or partner and i believe in a former conversation with boris he did mention that i think he was off the back of the itv campaign that that he did that he he managed to get a partnership with holland and barrett across yeah. the uk yeah, i think 150 yeah. plus stores that's right. Yeah, we launched the campaign to support it in April 22 when he got, when he got the listing. So yeah, it did really help with that. And that was obviously their first foray into retail as, as well. So yeah, it, it really goes. I mean, my favorite Boris story is actually about his surgeon telling him as he was going into theater that he had seen them on TV and that made Boris's day. So yeah, <laughs> a big fan of him. Yeah. Callum, this was super, super, super helpful. I think we are running short on time, but I do have one, one last question for you. And this is more, I think, to do with the fact that there's so much change happening in this industry. And I did ask this question on a former panel last week at Wolfsound. I had a couple of senior leaders as well from Warner Brother and Times Group and RTL. I want to get your opinion as well on if you were to select one single biggest source or force of change that is driving, you know, the media industry right now, what do you think is that biggest force that will change the advertising industry moving forward? What have you seen or the biggest trends perhaps that are impacting how we think about advertising altogether? I think certainly for me over the last, yeah, you know, I, I would say decade, but even five years, I would say that the, the measurement and accountability space and what brands expect from their advertising now mm-hmm. is really changing the way we have to approach it and and make sure that we're, we're sort of connecting with with things in the right way so I, I think that would be the the sort of biggest change there that that, that i've seen obviously in our and i've spoken a little bit about how we're sort of a, a approaching that and this has all really come of course from the way that digital offers measurement and you know the, the reports that people can get off of their digital and of course you know i always say tongue-in-cheek they're marking their own homework because they're, they're you know, telling you how well it, it did, but that's the standard that's been set. So that's what every media now is, is expected to do. And for above the line media, that is a little bit harder, but we are really, you know, getting, getting there on that. Also your levels of targeting, I, I would say, you know, the way that people buy the media, as I said earlier, there is that real drive for, you know, even more targeting and all the different platforms. And I, I mentioned planet B early, you know, that that's a massive growth space and the expectation there from, agencies and clients is that we have, you know, a platform that offers, you know, easy to use, quick targeting, but also scale as, as, as well. So, you know, certainly in the TV space, um, that's a massive shift, you know, there's the shift from broadcast over to being a digital first business. So, so I've sort of waffled through two areas there, but they're the two major sort of parts yeah. of my life that are, you know, really changing and changing very fast. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and th- this were obviously the points I, I, I heard on the panel as well. I think that uh, about measurements is really, I think the lines between both digital and traditional media is, is getting a bit blurred in terms of measurements. And I think a lot of, a lot of media companies and publishers and broadcasters are thinking of how to make that connection a lot smoother and have some kind of, you know, measurements that cut across all these different channels. So yeah, absolutely. I think I, I completely, I completely agree with that. And obviously I think AI, but everyone talks about that. So I would rather not 
I'll open up that conversation, but it's an exciting, definitely space to be. Thank you so much for walking us through the slides. It is the first time we're doing this, but I actually, I, I love it because I learned a lot from you in this past hour. This was super, super helpful. It was a real pleasure having you on the show. And yeah, I think we have to do another one on the power of creatives and dive a bit deeper into what really makes a good creative and how to scale that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me. It's been, it's been fun to, to chat. Thanks, Callum. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. You can find the full video episode on YouTube on the Media for Growth channel, or you can listen to it on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcast. And let us know what you think by leaving a review. The full scripts and more investment insights are available via our Media for Growth monthly newsletter. See you next time.